We are starting a brand new series this morning called Conversations with Jesus. You might have received a little promotion video and you might have been told about this, but I am super excited to kick this off this, uh, this morning. Uh, for the next 10 weeks, we will be looking at conversations that Jesus had with people in the Gospels and what we can learn from it. Uh, what I love about Jesus is that he chose varied ways and multicolorful ways of showing and teaching about who the kingdom of God is about, who he is about, who the Father is, the Holy Spirit. And one of the ways that he's done it is through conversations. We can spend a lot of time reading the parables and trying to understand the stories which he shared or just get into the sermons that Jesus preached. He was probably the best and still is today, the best preacher out there. And we study his sermons and there's incredible wealth in it. But there's something to be said of the conversations that he's had with people and that within those, there are some things that we can discover and get to know. The Bible says this, and we know this, that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So in the conversations with Jesus, we get to see a little bit more of his heart from maybe a different perspective. And within that, the hearts of those he is conversing with are being revealed as well. Whether he's speaking to his skeptics and his enemies their hearts are being revealed where he speaks to their disciples and sometimes their disbelief or their uncertainty on how to follow Jesus, their hearts are being revealed. Jesus also spoke to the Father about us and in that we see the Father heart revealed and he even speaks to the enemy, the devil. So all of these conversations are in the word of God today for us to look at and say, well, Lord, there's got to be more for us to understand about the person of Jesus, his divine nature, his character and how we can learn from it. So over the next 10 weeks, as the conversations of Jesus does, I believe we're going to be challenged, we're going to be comforted, we're going to be called up, we're going to be maybe rebuked and set straight. There's restoration in the conversations with Jesus. There's humor. He was quite funny at moments, saying things in a humorous way. Some of his conversations might come across to us as confusing in the moment, but then once we understand it and study it, it will bring life and uh, revelation to us. Many of his conversations were deeply prophetic, speaking about the future and what's to come. And I believe all of his conversations were backed with power. Every time Jesus spoke and had a conversation with someone, I think he was meticulously and intentionally deciding what he's going to do and say and speak as to reveal something of who he is. I can call Ricky up and I can tell you all about how amazing Ricky is and he's a great guy and he's a good husband and he's an awesome dad and he's a hard worker and you will have some idea about who Ricky is, but it's in conversing with Ricky and spending time with Ricky and letting Ricky speak to you and in friendship that you will really get to know who Ricky really is. So our Conversations with Jesus series has got one, one single goal. It's to look at these conversations, but not just to look at them and learn from them, but it's then to bring it right back to us and say, will you live a life of conversing with Jesus? Will you live a life of saying, Jesus, I want to have my conversations with you. I want to learn from these, but apply it in my life and walk it out with you. So at the start of this series, I'd like to make a moment to pray for the entire series. I'd like a moment to pray for those who's going to preach through this series because standing here and taking the conversations of Jesus is a weighty task in as not to try and make it more than what it is, but to help and rather clear the way of all the things that come up when we read it that gets in the way of really knowing Jesus. 
So could we take a moment to pray, to set our hearts on what he wants to say, but more than that, to just pray for those who will be preaching over the weeks to come? Awesome. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I just submit myself to you. Thank you that your word has given us to reveal to us who you are. And I pray that today, this morning, and over the weeks to come, and everyone who's going to be sharing and in our life groups, our discussions, and Lord, even in our own walk with you, may what we learn from these conversations be truly the full truth of who you are. Come and reveal to us through this series just your heart once more. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would anoint the words of Jesus and the written word that we have today so that we can leave you understanding more of the heartbeat of our Savior. We trust you for that, Lord. We're excited to learn. We're excited to know more about your heart for us. And may we leave here this morning being changed and impacted by your word. In Jesus' name, we all say, amen. Awesome. So this morning we are starting our series with our first conversation out of Matthew chapter 16. We're going to be looking at verses 13 to 19. This is an important conversation to have at the start of this series because Jesus comes to his disciples and he asks them a weighty question. He asks them the question of who do you say I am? Such an important question to ask. Such an important question for all of us to answer at some point in our walk with Christ. Who do we really think Jesus is? Who do we say that he is? Do we believe that he was the word who was with God and who is God and who has come and dwelled amongst us and with him has brought light into our darkness and that the darkness of this world cannot comprehend or contain his light? Do we believe that about Jesus? Do we believe that Jesus meets us on a Sunday morning for a couple of minutes and then for the rest of the week, he's just not that around? And I think the conversation we're going to look at this morning is going to set our hearts right on track for where we need to start this journey together in this series. So let's read together Matthew 16, verses 13 to 19. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the, gra- the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Jesus is walking with his disciples and amidst the fanfare of people following Jesus and gathering around them, he takes a moment on a journey to another district and he calls his disciples together and he asks them this critical question which has been beckoned to every heart ever since, where do you stand with Jesus and how do you see him? He calls them together and he says, you know, out there there's the world and out there there's a group of people and and can you take a moment to tell me what do they say about me? 
And then the disciples respond and they speak about the out there idea of who Jesus is. And they say, well, out there, the word on the street is that you might be one of the prophets or you might even be John the Baptist. There's a whole lot of ideas out there. But then Jesus says, okay, I don't care that much. Can I, can I ask the more important question? Just, just come here, my disciples, those close with me. What do you guys say? That's really what I'm interested in. And he asks a question that I believe is critical for us to ask, not just once, but often through our life. Because sometimes we get jaded in our walk with Christ and understanding exactly who he is and the world and the opinion on the street and the fanfare out there gives us new ideas or different ideas. But this is such a pivotal question in our walk with Jesus. So this morning, the question to all of us, who do you say I am? Who do you say Jesus is? When we think about Jesus, who have you guys, just because of seeing pictures and being to Bible school or children's school or reading your, your, your Kinder Bible, your children's Bible, who have you kind of seen an image of what Jesus might have looked like when I say, think about Jesus? Anyone there with me? You see, over the years, there's been kind of an image put in front of us through art and, and, and people trying to, to emulate who Christ is and what he looked like when he was in his earthly form. But I believe one day in heaven, when we are with him, that idea is not going to be the one that we're going to hold up anymore. We, we heard this morning how Ricky says in Revelation, the way that Jesus is described there is just completely different from the children's Bible version that we are used to. But maybe when I say this morning, who do you say Jesus is? A picture comes to mind and it might look something like this. You might think that's kind of the imaginary Jesus that I have in my mind. Can anyone agree with that? Is that pretty close? You guys, or maybe you guys are just way more colorful and artistic than I am. But I think that's a general run of the mill. Okay, yeah, that's Jesus. That's what happens when you Google icon Jesus, then icon Jesus comes up like that. So that's kind of the image that we have when we think about him. But now Jesus calls his disciples to get and says, okay, here I am. You guys are walking with me, but what are they saying out there? And they say, well, the people say that you are one of the prophets. And maybe not one of the prophets. You might be John the Baptist with locusts in your hand, making that your food. Some of the people out there who don't like you that that much, Jesus, say that you are from the devil and that you've got a demon, that you are demon-possessed. But we know that that is not Jesus, right? So let's clear the picture. That is not who Jesus is. But maybe to us today or to the culture or the world around us, Jesus is a significant world leader amongst some other world leaders that has been and that currently is. Or maybe we see him in light of Islam that he might be one of the profound prophets next to the prophet Muhammad who is out there and there's a kind of a leveling with him or if we are into the whole idea of Greek mythology and all the lesser gods that human imagination has conjured up, we just see him next to Zeus or one of the other gods in the opinion of the world out there. Or to make it really modern and in our world today, he's just the superhero amongst superheroes. We've got all these ideas of human beings that are so amazing and somewhat Jesus, he just, he just cuts a little bit further than that. You might have imagined Jesus as only the meek and mild individual patting the head of sheep. Just that's the image. And while he's doing that, he stands ready to serve the sheep with everything that the sheep needs. And maybe you've seen Jesus as 
the one who answers our prayer. When we ask for stuff, it just comes our way. You see how all these ideas of Jesus are out there, but that is not who he is. Maybe when you think about Jesus, you think that he's in a bad mood. Or maybe you think he's in a super good mood and he's your good old buddy, old pal, giving you a thumbs up at every corner of your life. And it doesn't matter how many times you turn your back on him, it's just thumbs up all the way. There's never a moment where you deal with yourself and he's just happy and lucky and all is good and all is well. And yeah, you've got this. Maybe for you, you think that Jesus preferred fashionists to walk around in a Lifteven t-shirt. Love wins. And that's all that matters. You see, this beckons a question and a big question mark to all of our hearts this morning. Who do we say Jesus is? Because there are so many opinions out there and Jesus knew this. So he said, I'm going to pull my disciples aside and I am going to have a conversation with him about this. This is important. And in, in this conversation, we see revealed four things, four observations that I'd like to make from the text to help us understand how do we approach this question of who Jesus is. My first observation is this, knowing Jesus from second-hand opinion or first-hand revelation. Knowing Jesus from second-hand opinion or first-hand revelation. Jesus intentionally brought his disciples aside in this moment and he contrasted the fanfare and the opinion out there to the friendship and intimacy here. And he said, guys, you've been walking with me and we have a different bond of intimacy and walking together in friendship. So who do you say I am? Because the fanfare out there, all the enemies out there might call me something completely different. But what matters to me is asking those who have first-hand experience, who do you think I am? And to me and my walk with Christ, I realize that that is the critical the critical question is, do I make sure that my walk with Jesus is based on first-hand experience? Because we could easily come into a church for 50 years and be a good member and attend a service and all we base our relationship with Jesus on or our understanding of Jesus is on the words of the pastor or the small group leader or a few other opinions out there. Peter in this story clearly had a first-hand revelation. And in this conversation, we are reminded that that's what he invites us into. That we should be living in a first-hand revelation of who he is. He says to Peter, yes, yes, you've got this. And then flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Well done, Peter. You have the revelation that there's a Father in heaven who is destined for you to understand exactly who I am. And he has revealed himself to you through my life. You see, what the Father has done all along is he's been revealing Jesus throughout the story. And today we are super blessed to have the written version of the story. Because what happened in the Old Testament is the prophets and the whole story is pointing to Jesus. And that's the Father revealing Jesus to the world. And then Jesus steps into the picture and he's on earth for his earthly life and ministry and then the Father is constantly revealing the Son through the life that Jesus lived. And then, post that, when Jesus has died and resurrected and gone back to be in heaven, the Father gave some more authors, the apostles and others, to write letters 
that we have today as the full written word, and he's saying, I'm constantly revealing Jesus to you. So first of all, revelation of who Jesus is starts with that friendship place of walking with him, but then it quickly moves to getting the revelation of who he is through the word, the written word that we have. And then there's a third way that we get the revelation of Jesus, and that is through his spirit. Let's read together. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. But the anointing you received from him remains in you, and his anointing teaches you about all things. And as that anointing is real and not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. Jesus says, not only have I called you to friendship, I'm calling you aside so that you can walk with me and understand who I am. Not only have I given you my written word, the revelation and the full revelation of who I am, you also have my Holy Spirit who's going to reveal to you who Jesus is. So making this real practical, how do we then walk as followers of Jesus with the revelation of who Jesus is? It's just those three things. Friendship with God, time in his word, and the confirmation of the Holy Spirit and the anointing that he has given us. The second observation from the scripture is that knowing Jesus as the son of man and as the living God is important. We've got to understand that Jesus is both the son of man and the living God. He is both fully human in the moment that he's having this conversation, but he is God incarnate in human form. It's interesting to read the conversation because what happened is Jesus asks his disciples, who do the people say that the son of man is? Not who do the people say I am. Who do the people say the son of man is? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. So mostly when Jesus was speaking about himself, he would reference son of man. Because son of man was the prophetic picture which was painted through the Old Testament of who he is to come, but he was also fulfilling that which man couldn't fulfill. So he needed to identify with the idea that he is fully man, but quickly Peter had the revelation that we can't only keep him as son of man, we've got to see him as the son of the living God. That he is not just a human walking amongst us in this moment, but that he is the Christ the Messiah, the Savior, the one that the whole world has been holding its breath to see has appeared and is now amongst us. When we relegate Jesus to only the Son of Man, then we quickly put him on a stage amongst some other influential people in history. Then we learn from Jesus because he's a good leader and he's got some leadership lessons and there's some stuff that we can learn from his life and he's a good example. But he's an equal example to people like Madiba and Gandhi and so many others that's been around that we can look at their lives and have some inspiration. Then we just relegate him and diminish him to only the son of man. If we do the opposite and only identify with Jesus as the son of the living God, then it disconnects with our human need to have a savior who connects with us on human level. That's why the scripture says that we have a Jesus who has gone before us and like any other person has faced all the temptations that we are facing yet without sin. So he understands our humanity. 
So this conversation with Jesus reveals to us truly knowing him is holding both these worlds together in tension. Speaking about the tension of holding together familiarity with Jesus and the fear of God. The fear of God and knowing that he is so huge, he is so otherworldly, he is so different, he is such an incredible being that every single person who saw the fullness of God in the Bible fell on their faces as if dead. And many of them said, I should rather just die because he is that big and he is so huge. But just like Isaiah, God comes in and he comforts. When Isaiah was in the presence of God and he fell down and says, woe is me, the comfort of Jesus quickly came in and said, yes, as a human, woe is you, but I'm making a way and I'm touching and reaching out to you. The Son of Man and the Son of God, these two concepts coming together in one conversation. You know what I think happened here is that Jesus was referencing the fulfillment of prophecy. And I think Peter said, you are the Son of the living God because he was in reverence that Jesus has fulfilled the prophecy. And we read together in Hebrews, and I love this, the start of this letter, talking about Jesus. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is far more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Speaking about this Jesus who holds the whole universe together with his word. Speaking about this Jesus who is a far greater being and has far greater position than the craziest angel you could ever see. And God says, this is my son. And to us, we've got to bring those places together. In pre-service prayer this morning, we felt how God wants to use that image of an imprint. You know when you take a, an ox and you imprint an ox? You take a seal and you make it red hot. And then that seal comes and it's... And what it does, it sears away some of the skin to put an imprint on the ox. In the same way, Christ is that imprint of God. And in moments like this, he comes and he says, I'm going to burn away the ideas that you might have about me, and I'm going to imprint the nature of God on you. Isn't that amazing? So Peter had that moment. He had that revelation. And not only did he say, yes, Jesus, you are the son of man. He said, quickly, I have the revelation that you are equally the son of the living God. Third observation this morning is, in knowing Jesus, we are blessed. Blessed is the one who knows Jesus from first-hand revelation and as the son of the living God. You see, Peter, quick to respond as he usually is, and sometimes he responded so funny. A couple of verses later, he responds completely in his flesh. And he says, no, Jesus, you're not going to die. And then Jesus calls him Satan and says, get behind me, Peter. It's quick how how we fall in our humanity, right? But, but Peter was quick to, to, to say, Jesus, you are the Christ. And then the very first thing that Jesus says in return is, you are blessed. You are blessed. There's a blessing in living in the revelation of who Jesus is that comes to us. 
There's a blessing if we are enveloped in that revelation of who Christ is to us and to the world and what he has brought to us. The blessed life is not locked up in stuff. It's not locked up in experiences. It's not locked up in amazing relationships. It's not locked up in success. The blessed life is not locked up in Instagram photos and hashtag blessed quotes. The blessed life is locked up in knowing Jesus. So the very first thing he says to Peter when Peter says, you are the Christ, is, man, you are blessed because you know that. And my father has revealed that to you. The word blessed here comes from the root word makarios, which means to be supremely fortunate and to be envied. That's profound. So when Jesus turned to Peter and he said, you are blessed, Peter, that you are supremely fortunate and you are to be envied. Who of you have ever seen how when someone is wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly devoted to Jesus, even though the world doesn't like them that much, there's a sense of envy that they could live a life like that? Sometimes you see Christians just, they, they love Christ, and you can see it in their families, and even amidst the darkest and most difficult days, they just, they stay resilient, and they stay joyful, and sometimes people say, yeah, Christians are fake, they're laughing and they're full of joy and things aren't, what are up with these guys? But there's a real deep found joy that comes from Jesus that we can have in difficult days. And we're not fake, we're just Jesus lovers. But the world looks at it and I think there's a sense of envy sometimes that we could live a life like that. It's in knowing him that we are blessed like nothing else can bless us. And then all the other blessings he has for us follows out of that. I remember in my own walk with Jesus where this lesson was, was taught me how I can live such a life that others will look at and go, hmm, and not so that Pierre could be celebrated, but that Jesus could be celebrated. So what happened is, um, Helena and I finished our ministry school and we did an overseas trip and then coming back, we felt both that for a season we've got to work in the marketplace and not in the ministry world. So for two years, we did a season of working in the marketplace, which was completely God-directed and so good for us. And I remember that I needed to look for a job. So my, my upbringing or my qualification up until that point has been ministry and then music and more music and music and more music. So the options of what I could do in the marketplace was quite limited by ministry and music, if you understand what I mean. So Helena first got a job. Um, that was her like, yes, I beat Pierre to find a job first. And it was an amazing Amazing story of how she found it in Somerset West and then the story unfolds to us walking through these same doors many, many years ago and today you, we see the fulfillment of that. But I remember I needed to find a job and by God's leading, ended up in the kitchen of a man who has a business that he needed to entrust to someone to run because this is a sideline business. Um, it's not his main business. So I was having a conversation with this gentleman and his wife and they said, well, tell us your story. I said, well, here's my story, and this is who I am, and this is what I've done, and it's ministry, and it's music, and it's this and that. And they just looked at me perplexed and said, well, what do you know about this industry? I said, well, this is what I know, and that's what I know. And he looked at me and says, you know nothing. I'm like, uh, yeah, I actually don't know much. <laughs> and he's like, okay, so this is awkward. I'm like, well, a friend of a friend of a friend, and here we are, and we're having the conversation. Long story short, that night, Got a phone call from him and he says, I don't know why I'm doing this, but I'm going to take a chance on you. You've got the job. And I'm like, okay, Lord, this is really interesting. You've got a plan in this. A week later, I arrived at the gates of this 
property, which is at their house of where this business is now being entrusted to me. And I remember switching off the car and I took a moment and I said, okay, Jesus, can I be blessed in such a way that they as a family and their household will flourish because of you? In other words, supremely favored and to be envied that I have no clue about the business, but that you're gonna do something through this young, ignorant guy to show how amazing you are. And I remember praying, just like Joseph served in Potiphar's house, and Potiphar was blessed by it. Can it be the same for these people? And that was my prayer, and that's how I started my journey there. And this is by no means a tap on the shoulder for me, but within the first few months, they started winning awards because I saw the product that they have. I'm like, you know what, we can enter it into this competition and that competition. And within six months, I got onto the plane and flew across South Africa to go and present this very thing. And they're like, why did you even enter it? I'm like, well, I believe in the product. And long story short is by the end of the first year, they just came to me and said, we've never seen anything like it. Our turnover is massive. It has exponentially grown. And I just constantly said, let them be blessed because of the blessing upon my life, because of knowing you, because of walking in intimacy with you, because of loving you and, and understanding who I am in you. Two years later, when the moment has come for me to say goodbye to them, I remember we would have conversations about God all the time. Some days I would fast because we had our annual Every Nation fast, and it was a day to do physical work in the business, so they would often look at me and say, you're crazy. And I'm like, well, I'm just being obedient. And then, then my boss would say, well, I don't know. I look at you, I'm like, I don't know how you do this. You just, you're something different. And then I'm like, well, I know why I can do it. It's because of Jesus, because I am blessed and to be envied and favored in this way. Long story short, when I had to say goodbye to them, it was a big moment. And then they turned back and they said, you know what, Pierre, we want to thank you for, for being such a witness to us, for being consistent, for showing us what it is if a young man lives in faith, uh, for, for trusting him. And as unbelievers, these are the things they're saying. And then they would say, we always knew that this day was gonna come where you're gonna step into your destiny of what you are really meant to do. So we are cheering you on. And then I gave them a bunch of flowers as a parting gift. And six weeks later, I, I promise you guys, what happened is the owner's wife called me and she said, I've never seen anything like this. Now she's a gardener. She loves her gardening. She says, those flowers are still as fresh as the first day. Someone must be taking care of them. Again, just the fragrance. And I remember the conversation. They just said, there's something different about you. I can't take any credit because it was all found in knowing Jesus. It was a knowing Jesus that Jesus turned his heart towards me and says, Pierre, you are blessed. And you're going to step into the circumstances and you're going to step into a family and into a business place. And because you know me and I know you, you are going to be the blessed one that's going to witness my kingdom to these people. And this is what he says to Peter in this moment. And then why, why is Peter blessed more than that? Why are each one of us blessed? Because Revelation says, the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. So apart from everything I just shared in my story, each one of you are blessed because you have received an invitation to the wedding feast of the Lamb. 
And when Peter said, you are the Christ, he had the revelation that salvation has come to this world and we can be at the wedding feast of the Lamb. So makarios to you if you follow Jesus this morning. Because if it doesn't work out the way you want it in this earth, in what you call blessed, you are still blessed. Because one day there's got to be a party in heaven and you have an invitation. And you can walk through the front door and like, I'm invited. And then all of this world will not matter anymore. So in knowing Jesus, we are blessed. And then lastly, the last idea I want to share is that in knowing Jesus, we are known. In knowing Jesus, we are known. It's in knowing Him that we will be defined, and it's in fully knowing Him that we are fully known. What happened in this moment is, in the revelation that Peter shared and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus returns and says, well, now I'm going to tell you who you are. And he speaks straight to Peter. He says, you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and the powers of hell will not conquer it. If you want to know who you are, it starts by knowing Jesus. If you want to be defined in your identity, It starts by knowing Jesus. If you want to be clear about life and what you are called to, it starts by knowing Jesus. Then he gives us people around us to confirm that, but it doesn't start with people, it starts with him. That's why the world is in such an upside down space and identity, because we try and find it everywhere else except in our maker, in Christ, who turns back to us when we know him and he says, now that you know me fully, I'm going to tell you exactly who you are and what I've called you to. And we notice three things in this verse that Jesus does to Peter. First of all, he reminds him of the person he is. Peter, you are a strong man of foundation, like a rock, sturdy, who's going to stand amidst this world. And he tells him that's who he is as a person. Secondly, he speaks to Peter about his purpose. And on this rock, I will build my church. Now, there's a twofold theological thought that I've got to share here for a moment. When Jesus said on this rock, the one idea is that he spoke about the foundational truth that Jesus is the Messiah and Jesus said on that truth, I will build my church. But it is clear if you fast forward to the book of Acts that it was also speaking to the person of Peter and said, on this rock, I will build my church because a couple of chapters later, Peter preaches the gospel and what happens? The church is birthed. So not only in knowing Jesus did Peter find out the person he is, he also discovered his purpose. And then lastly, in knowing Jesus, Jesus said, and the power of hell will not prevail against that very thing that I've called you to. There's a power in knowing Jesus that keeps us sustained and keeps us going in the things that he has called us into. So if you want to be defined might just be that you've got to have that conversation with Jesus soon. Say, okay, Jesus, define me. I want to know you so that I can be known inside of you. It's within revealing the true identity of Jesus to us that the Father reveals the true identity of ourselves to us as well. It's not just for us to know him, but it's for him to know us in our walking out with him. Romans 8 says, creation is eagerly waiting for the revealing of the sons of God. Those 
who know where they're from and know who Jesus is. So four ideas from this first conversation. Knowing Jesus from first-hand opinion, a first-hand experience or revelation, not from second-hand opinion. Secondly, knowing Jesus as the Son of Man and as the living God. Thirdly, when you know Jesus, you are blessed. And lastly, in knowing Jesus, you will be known. So this morning, we've got to ask a question to all of our own hearts. And I'm going to ask the question, who do you say Jesus is? Are you simply building it on the information you get every Sunday? Or are you building it on the revelation of the Father? Are you simply building it on years of traditional teaching? And all of those things are good things. I'm not dissing it. But something's got to happen on the inside where we come together as a friend with him and we have friendship with God. And in that friendship, he reveals to us the full nature of who he is. Maybe the Lord needs to bring his exact imprint, red hot, to some of our hearts this morning and sear away and burn away some misconstrued ideas about who Jesus is. I've been praying and we've been praying that in this moment, it might just be that it feels like Jesus is calling you aside and says, you know what, for this moment, I don't care that much what every nation sounds the West is saying. I don't care that much what your family is saying. I don't care that much what my fans are saying. I'm not into the fans all that much. I want to know what do you say. I want to find out what are your thoughts towards me. And I believe in this moment that the Father wants to reveal to hearts exactly who Jesus is. The Spirit and His anointing wants to remind us of the words that we've been hearing and being taught to us from the Bible about who He is. And I believe we're going to leave this room being fully known and fully blessed because we are a people who know who Christ is.